All right, well, welcome everyone back to another episode of Direct Connect with Archer. Happy to have with me here today Leonard Chamberlain and Nick Weber. And today, given that it's January and we're uh, just uh, not too far into the new year, we thought we'd have a little conversation and take a look at what 2023 is likely to bring uh, or things that we know it's going to bring. And maybe we'll take a, make a few guesses. Uh, I don't want to use the word prediction, but maybe take some guesses as to what might be coming that maybe you're not expecting. Um, with that, uh, Nick and Leonard, why don't you guys go ahead and introduce yourself. I'll start with Nick. I'm Nick Weber, uh, managing partner at Archer. Glad to be back on this. Um, mostly focused on physical security, but I know just enough cyber to be dangerous, and I admit to knowing no SIP. As soon as you admit to that, you're stuck. It's Hotel California. <laughs> Leonard, I think you know a little bit of SIP. No SIP, Steve. Um, <clears throat> Leonard Chamberlain, managing partner with Archer. Um, yeah, I, rumor is I know a little SIP as well. Um, but uh, yeah, happy to be here today and uh, chat about uh, our thoughts for the, the new year and what lays ahead. All right, and um, why don't we kick it off with Nick? I know uh, right at the end of 2022, we had a few instances of physical attacks against substations that's been in the news. That's probably uh, one of the big big topics right now. So and I know that's right up your your alley. So why don't you lead us off and just give us an idea of what you expect uh, in 2023 in the area of physical security. Unfortunately, I expect to see more of it because once people kind of figure out that these attacks don't take a ton of sophistication to get some effect, um, I think that reduces some of the barriers to it. The other piece that I think is going to play into it is more and more people are taking their, their individual homes or maybe even small businesses um, off the, the bulk electric system or even their local distribution. They're going off grid. The incentive to protect the grid then doesn't imply as much. So I, I unfortunately think we're probably going to see more, more physical attacks, probably the low level. We're not going to see any real sophisticated attacks. Although I will say the North Carolina ones, um, attacking two substations simultaneously to try to drop load to a specific area. That's got my attention. Um, haven't seen that in the U.S. before that I know of. Yeah, and um, we've got uh, a big big sporting event coming up at the Super Bowl only a few weeks away. Uh, you know, that's, is that kind of a target you, you might, you know, somebody might be thinking about, hey, let's, uh, you know, take out some substations, see if we can drop power to a major event. No, I've been around the NFL security enough to know that I'm not worried about that at all. The controls that are in place around that, particularly after the Super Bowl in New Orleans a few years ago where they accidentally dropped some power during the game, um, pretty sure that uh, the NFL is going to be working real close with their, their service providers to make sure there are no interruptions like that again. Um, and they've, they've already started that. I know back when I worked at Homeland Security, we were on one of the advanced teams that did usually the hotels and the media locations for Super Bowl. And we'd start those assessments six, nine months out. Did they take into account Beyonce's halftime show? Because as I recall, she used quite a bit of power. And, you know, maybe that was kind of the tipping point. I don't know if anybody can fully account for, for Beyonce or, or Lady Gaga or any of those. So um, <laughs> blow your doors right off. Yep. Yep. No, but that is a good point. Yeah. The, I was at the, the commission, uh, FERC when, when, uh, that happened. And of course being from new Orleans, everybody was immediately like, what, Leonard, what happened? Call somebody. Didn't you? 
was a different world back then compared to, uh, you know, it's not really a proof of concept per se, but, uh, you know, the genie's out of the bottle, so to speak, with uh, demonstrating kinetic attacks and, and whatnot. Um, speaking of FERC, though, and, and those attacks, I mean, uh, what is coming this year from a regulatory perspective to be determined? Uh, FERC directed NERC to conduct a study uh, that's due um, here in the first end of the first quarter or so. Uh, you know, whether the current standards are, are adequate or does every uh, BPS transmission station, substation or control center require some minimum level of uh, physical security? So it'll be interesting to see what NERC comes back with from that study, and then subsequently what FERC then chooses to do. Um, <clears throat> I think it's safe to assume there will be some type of rulemaking, some modifications to SIP 6 and or SIP 14, um, or maybe even a completely new standard, who knows? Something to look forward to, certainly. Uh, you mentioned rulemaking, and. Uh, uh, shifting gears a little bit, there is another rulemaking that was kicked off uh, late in 2022 on the oil and natural gas side uh, pipeline sector uh, with TSA. Leonard, why don't you talk to us a little bit about that? Sure. I'm, I'm not really sure what the current status of the rulemaking is, but um, you know we've, we've heard that uh, TSA was likely to do something in that area this year. Um, of course, the security directives that have happened over the last two years as a result of the Colonial Pipeline Act to establish some <clears throat> level of cybersecurity standards for the oil and natural gas industry, you know, similar to, to what NERC-SIP is for the electric sector. You know, the, the security directives that they've issued with, with those measures and, you know, that the industry has to implement, they're, they're good for a single year. So the current version, version C, expires, uh, I believe, July 27th of this year. So that's another, another thing that's coming. We, we know for sure version C will expire. What we don't know is, will there be a version D? Will TSA implement a rulemaking uh, time to coincide with the expiration of version C? Uh, or, or maybe potentially even both, right? Uh, version D is a stopgap with the expectation of a rulemaking, um, you know, later in the year. It will be interesting to see as well, um, you know, there are timelines in place for, for version C as well. Uh, many utilities have already had, or not utilities, but companies have had their um, cybersecurity uh, implementation plan approved by TSA. Some are still waiting to hear from TSA regarding the approval of those plans. Um, but that kicks off, you know, some other timeframes that the security directive requires. So uh, companies in the oil and natural gas space, you know, have their work cut out for this year and implementing those plans and all the other related uh, actions. Yeah, and you, uh, you you corrected me, actually. I, I was thinking that the rulemaking had been kicked off, but you are correct. It is not yet kicked off. They did the, uh, basically the questionnaire, the, pre, the pre-rulemaking, so to speak. So they kind of started the process, but not officially just, just yet. So thank you for correcting my memory on that one. Um, I have some other notes. Uh, kind of shift, shift into, into some areas that are a little, little bit, off topic for us, things we don't normally touch on, but um, one of the things that comes to mind is the uh, Infrastructure and Jobs Act that came out, uh, it was last year, and there's you know tens of billions of dollars in funding 
that's going into the power grid for a variety of things. Um, a lot of it centers around uh, clean energy and some of the renewables and some of those uh, uh, areas where there's been a priority in the current administration. Uh, wildfire mitigations in there, uh, some cybersecurity as well. Uh, have either of you been hearing anything of interest around that or have any, any thoughts on how that might impact uh, you know, compliance regulations and other things in that area? Um, I haven't heard anything around it, but my guess is that most of the utilities are probably at this point still, to, to steal a quote from our friend Brian Carr, too busy throwing rocks to talk to the machine gun salesman on it. I'm curious to see if towards the second or third quarter this year, people kind of figure that out and, and tap into it. Hopefully sooner rather than later, though, the need's there and to have the resource going unused is unfortunate. But I think that's probably where we're at right now particularly with the rulemaking and proposed changes, both on the, the electric and the oil and gas side. Yeah, I concur. I haven't heard um, much of anything from, from any of the clients I work with um, <clears throat> regarding any of those initiatives. So I, I think it's, again, a case of uh, being too busy with what's currently on their plate to, to have time to, to see what else is out there. Yeah, well, we'll see how things go. I do know that there is a uh, cybersecurity plan requirement likely built into a lot of that funding so as uh, people start applying for that money we may, may see some of that pop something to be something to be aware of if i can interrupt you um oh, so as you were talking there it, it jogged my memory on something else that i think might be related to that so thinking back to um some of the the funding rounds back in the late 2000s uh when i was uh employed uh, by utility in the industry you know, just because there's there's money out there doesn't mean they're always going to take advantage of that. A lot of times there's strings attached, right? Um, you know, you have to match the funding you receive with your own funding. And so, you know, again, in these trying <clears throat> economic times, that might not be a, a, a feasible situation for utilities to, to put themselves in. Uh, also, a lot of times it opens them up to additional scrutiny from regulators. You know, you're, you're required to, um, you know, High water mark, uh, for instance, some of those projects that might not have otherwise been under regulatory scrutiny. Um, so, you know, in addition to being busy, you know, there may be some some other factors that uh, are not immediately apparent until you start digging into the funding that may be available. I'm curious how many of them also are looking at potential regulation coming down. That's one of the things I've been noticing very quietly with the administration is looking at cybersecurity regulations across critical infrastructure. One of the things I've seen is kind of a, nobody wants to be first. Um, and if taking that money means you have to be first, kind of to Leonard's point, that might be enough of a string that nobody wants it. All right, let, let's shift gears a little bit and come back and uh, let's talk auditing, one of our, one of our favorite topics. Um, during the, the COVID uh, era, of course, a lot of the audits were offsite and, uh, kind of change the audit approach a little bit with uh, COVID being mostly behind us uh, in, in, in most areas of our professional lives. I would expect to see more on-site audits. I'm curious to see what your perspectives are, um, how you think the audits might change, be different as we come out of COVID and kind of get back to some some semblancy of normal or maybe a new normal, maybe an old normal. I'm, I'm not sure. What are, your, what are your thoughts? I know we started seeing the on-site audits around second End of second quarter last year, I feel like, is when I first started seeing them come back on site. Um, and it was almost like they'd been sitting in the hangar for two years, coming up with new ways to to really deep dive on some stuff and new crazy questions to ask. Um, 
there'll probably be a little bit of normalizing as they get back used to it. But I think you're right. I think we'll see a lot of on-site. Um, but I think the leadership at the, at least the NERC regions and probably NERC itself, um, not real quick to want to go and incur that full travel budget they used to have again. So it'll be interesting to see where that lands. A lot of this, I really question how well you can audit it remotely. Um, there's just a lot that you find sitting across the table with the nonverbal cues and the things you notice walking around. But I, I think it's safe to say they'll be back on site going forward and it will be different than it used to be. Yeah, I concur, Nick. I think, um, you know, where you sit geographically, you know, your state politically uh, may have an impact on, uh, you know, the return to on-site audits. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, to your point, I, I, we saw more and more of those occur this year. And it's, it's inevitable that they're going to go back in that direction. Um to your point, you know, there's so many aspects uh, of an audit that, um, you know, have been kind of glazed over as as audits went remote that, um, you know, all those visual cues and in some cases probably even, you know, open book style auditing where, you know, you're sitting there with the, the answers to the test, so to speak, um, reading them off to the auditor, uh, whereas if you were in person, you know, across from the table, that wouldn't be an option. So certainly will be a, a painful transition back, I think, for a lot of a lot of people in the industry. I'll be curious to see if they, they stick to the three year. I know one of the things when we were when I was at WEC was the desire to get away from the strict three years. You can pretty much bank on it's going to be within one of these four weeks of the year. Kind of curious if this is going to be used as an impetus to make that happen. I think there are a lot of a lot of entities from the auditors that I've talked to that they found they end up with some no findings at audit, but the auditors don't really believe it. If you have any audit find audit no findings that you're you feel like you might have gotten away with something, make sure you button that up because they're probably gonna they're probably taking notes and they're gonna come back and look at that either through a spot check or adjusting your audit schedule. Yeah, you mentioned uh, you know the desire to move away from the three year. I know there was some uh, NERC had actually tried to do some rules of procedure changes and FERC rejected that. Um, they wanted to, to shift, move away from the mandatory three-year audits, so that was not allowed. So I think that's always going to be a component, but there is a desire to do perhaps more frequent auditing on a lighter basis or a more focused basis, maybe almost like a spot check style. Um, so we could see some experimentation with, with some of that. Um, along the same lines, in terms of change, we're seeing uh, some shifts in the way NERC goes about the standards development. Uh, there's some proposals to make modifications to the rules of procedure, uh, give, I think, probably NERC and the Board of Trustees a little more power, also to provide more flexibility. Moving away from the ANSI accreditation, for example, is something that they're looking at very, very seriously. Um, one standards effort that's been uh, in process now for close to six years is virtualization. And it looks like we might actually get a submittal to FERC of an industry-approved virtualization standard before the end of 2023. I'm not 100% sure I believe that. NERC wants to get there. We'll see if they do, but what are your thoughts? Uh, Leonard, uh, in particular, uh, virtualization, I think you've been uh, had your hands in that a little bit. Yeah, I, um, I've, I've sat in on some of the standard drafting team meetings uh, for that standard and um, uh, not particularly pleased with where it's at. I think they've gone above and beyond uh, what they were asked to do and, and uh, really gave all of SIP 10 a, a facelift. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, you you never know with the commission whether they're going to 
feel like you know something is better than nothing uh, or if uh, it, it changes too much and they need to go back to the drawing board but uh, even seeing how how many ballots they had to go through to get that approved um, I think that's pretty telling that uh, it's not a whole lot of people that are really excited about this uh, this new uh, version all right I have uh, I have one more topic on my list but before we get to that uh want to check with you to see if there's something I perhaps have missed that you want to bring up that uh, you see coming in 2023. Nick, I'll start with you. Anything uh, that we missed you want to bring up? Yeah, I think what we're going to see, the big one that I think is, is probably going to be a driver this year is a lot more state PUCs and state uh, regulators looking at the distribution system. <clears throat> I think that was one of the pieces that really came out of the the Carolinas attacks, even though those were BEZ systems. Um it really begged the question, and I think a lot of the public started to realize that there's a, a split between distribution and transmission, or the BEZ. Um, and I think a lot of states have been kind of on the bench watching the California PUC physical security standards play out, which by and large I think has been a, a really good standard, at least for getting the ball rolling. Uh, it's pretty straightforward, pretty easy to follow. Um, it's not incredibly onerous. But it moves the needle and it helps some of the security folks and even some of the utility leadership make a rate case to, to better protect those critical distribution subs. So I think we'll probably see more along those lines. Wouldn't be surprised to also see some of the states try to get a little froggy and go after maybe some of the low impact stuff that doesn't necessarily cross state lines. You kind of get curious to see where that goes. Um, I know one of the states involved, I've talked a little bit with one of the, the senators I used to, or the representatives I used to work with there. There's a lot of crazy ideas going around that state house right now. Um, so we've been doing some, I've been helping him put together some, hey, there's other people out there doing this. There's the federal government in DC that we like to ignore. They actually have this jurisdiction, but I think we're gonna see a lot more, at least discussion around that. Maybe not anything getting towards um, mandatory, even the rulemaking piece by the end of the year, but I think we're, we're gonna see that get opened up though this year. All right, Leonard? So there's new versions of uh, standards, obviously, that will create a lot of work for people. Um, there's a, a number of uh, OMP standards that are updated that come into effect this year. On the SIP side, uh, SIP 4, SIP 11 have new versions that go into effect January 1st, 2024. So, um, you know, obviously don't wait till end of the year to start uh, readying yourself for those uh the, the primary change um, for those standards is really to allow uh, utilities to leverage uh, cloud, the cloud storage um, for uh, BES cyber system information, <clears throat> BCSI. So, um, you know, I think it'll be interesting as, um, you know, anyone who, you know, is interested in, in uh, leveraging that technology, um, starts to, to implement and, and migrate towards it. Some should be some interesting uh, projects and uh, logistics to solve um, to uh, ensure you're still in compliance with SIP 11 and SIP 4. All right, plenty to think about. And um, uh, about out of time, so I'll, I'll wrap it up. The last last item I had on my on my note, and I, I don't know that I really know what to expect in this area, but uh, politics. Uh, I guess we're blessed with 2023 not being an election year, but given that we have a, a probably an interesting presidential campaign coming up in 2024, aren't they all interesting? Um, 
uh, you know, security could potentially be a big be a big topic. So it's something to keep on the radar and see how it might play out. Uh, we've got a, a new dynamic in Congress, and uh, uh, so you know, never know what might pop up as an issue. Certainly, physical security being in the news could be one, and uh, you know, politics always has a chance to drive things. I have no predictions in that area. Um, if you guys do, feel free to jump in. I see Nick shaking his head. Um, Leonard, I, 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 I guess you probably are of the same mind. Uh, don't touch that one. But in any case, uh, do appreciate you both joining us here and appreciate the conversation. Thank you for, for watching, and we'll see you again on another edition of Direct Connect in the near future. Have a great 2023, everybody. Not only is Direct Connect available to listen to, you can also watch each episode on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash Archer News Network. If you're interested in who we are and what we do, head on over to our website at archerint.com. That's archerint.com. You can also follow us on our social media platforms, Archer International on Facebook, Archer Energy Solutions LLC on LinkedIn, at archer underscore intl on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and check back every other week for brand new episodes.